Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch Podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of February 11th through the 13th, 2022. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone is doing well out there. For anyone following along with my apartment hunting saga, some good news. Uh, we were finally able to find an apartment we liked, and we got the proof for it. Uh, lease sign, deposit sent, and everything at this point. Uh, it's not quite over yet. You know, We've got to figure out our mover situation, but definitely some progress being made. Um, speaking of progress, there's a small celebration in order this weekend. No, I'm not talking about Valentine's Day, though it was also my five-year anniversary, wedding anniversary this past Sunday. Uh, but for this podcast specifically, uh, this is actually actually the 100th regular episode of this podcast that I've produced, a full two years of doing this show week in and week out. I know this isn't the biggest podcast by any means in terms of listenership, but I do appreciate anyone out there who is listening to the show. Uh, through the first year of having to pivot this podcast to cover uh, movie theater-less box office, um, to you know, to to covering the, the, the slow return of the theaters in 2021 before No Way Home went uh, on a tear, it's been quite the roller coaster of a ride, and we're not losing steam by any means. Now, while for now this may be the weirdness hobby of mine, you know, it's kind of something I do for fun. I still really do enjoy being able to share it with you guys out there tuning in week in and week out so whether this is your first episode listening or your hundredth thanks for being out there I guess it's kind of appropriate I get somewhat sappy since it is Valentine's Day weekend as well as the Super Bowl this past weekend as well so how did these festivities impact the box office with three new wide open releases uh, coming in first place, we have 20th Century's controversy-laden sequel to the Murder of Orient Express, Agatha Christie, directed uh, by Kenneth Branagh, who also plays the lead Hercule Poirot, uh, Death on the Nile. Um, that's a heck of a sentence. Uh, it, Death on the Nile opened to $12.9 million in 3,280 theaters per theater average of 3,950. Box Office Pros had it at $14.5 million over three days, so a little bit of an underperformance. Uh, also compared to the $28.6 million from November 2017, which the first one opened to, still also a disappointment. Now, on Cinema Score, it got a B, same as the original, and it actually did do a little bit better on Rotten Tomatoes. The original had 60% from critics and 53 from audiences, while Death on the Nile got 66 from critics and a, a stunning 82% from audiences. Um, now, you know, I wouldn't really call this a major blockbuster like a Marvel film. It's more a mid-sized film, and you know, I think given the state of those kind of films in the pandemic, this isn't that bad an opening, all things considered. Um, you know, House of Gucci, which is the most successful adult drama this side of the pandemic, opened to a comparable $14.5 million. Uh, both House of Gucci and the prequel Murder in the Orient Express ended up having a 3.6-3.7x multiplier, so that was in late November, so a little bit extended by the holiday months. Um, I wouldn't call this a major or flop, but you know, more so a reflection of the new box office reality again, where mid-sized films are going to struggle, even with lots of star power. Um, it doesn't help also that uh, Death on the Nile had a $90 million budget, while House of Gucci had a $75 million budget. Uh, saying, you know, if we say that, you know, in a, you know, not a holiday uh, numbers, you know, if it's 2.5x multiplier, that gets to the 32.5, and then 3x multiplier would put in the $40 million range, which isn't super great uh, in terms of, you know, trying to get back to that $90 million production budget. Uh, currently, it has another $20 million from 47 other markets, so about 40, $33 million total to date. Um, and, you know, overseas, uh, uh, and, you know, and, and overseas, you know, in those 47 markets, it seems to be doing well with older audiences, such as House of Gucci did. So um, one thing in its favor is that it actually is one of the rare Hollywood films nowadays to actually get a China release this coming weekend. So we'll see how it does over there. 
In second place, we have Jackass Forever with a steep 65% drop down to 8 million in its second weekend in 3,653 theaters per theater average of 2,212. Now, as the series has progressed from the first to the second to the third iterations, the second weekend drops have also grown steeper over time, from 44% for the first one to 50% to 58%. Um, so far, it's made a $37.4 million domestically, another $6.5 million abroad for about $43.9 million lifetime. Um, now, that is, again, with a $10 million production budget, so it's already profitable at this point. Anything else is pretty much gravy from, from here on. Uh, in third place, we have another new opening film, Universal's Marry Me, starring Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson. Uh, in addition to opening in theaters, it also released on the uh, struggling uh, streaming service Peacock. Um, this narrowly opened behind Jackass Forever's second weekend with less than $100,000 separating them with $7.9 million in 3,642 theaters, per theater average 2,183. Internationally, it opened to another $8.5 million in 65 markets for about $16.5 million total. I would expect this to potentially go higher after Monday's numbers come in since it does lead into the romance genre and Valentine's Day and all that. Um, you know, it does, it did pretty much meet expectations from box office post, which had about 7 million flat for the weekend. Uh, cinema score was at B plus and, you know, critics didn't really like it, 53% on Rotten Tomatoes, but audiences liked it at 93%. So I guess those who went really knew what they were getting into. Um, this definitely skewed toward the female audience with 67% of the total audience, uh, 46% over 35 years of age. Um, the film, this definitely helped by having a relatively low $23 million budget, which probably will be met at the very least over the next couple of weekends. Uh, 2019's other JLo film, Hustlers, had a 3.16x multiplier, one of the lowest cinema scores, so a conservative 3x multiplier here would put this at about $24 million domestic, um, and then, you know, from there you have, you know, the, the international appeal of Mises and Maluma um, factoring in for the international box office. Um, other pre-pandemic Valentine's films, just for comparison, you know, uh, you know, in recent years we have 2019 it isn't it romantic, opening the 14.2 million, 3.4x multiplier up to 48 million. Uh, 2016's How to Be Single had 17.8 million, 2.68 multiplier up to 46 million total. And of course, 2015's 50 State of Grace had a had a massive 85 million dollar opening, uh, but had a 1.95x multiplier to get to 166 million domestic. Uh, fourth place, uh, you know, goes to Spider-Man: No Way Home. A twenty-one percent drop in week nine to seven point five million in three thousand three hundred theaters per theater average two thousand two hundred seventy-nine. Cumulative domestic total seven hundred fifty-nine million, less than a million dollars away from taking over Avatar's third place domestic record as of this weekend. I'm sure by Monday it's probably already crossed at that, that point. Um, you know, that'll likely be the last where they end up crossing on that front. Uh, internationally, it has about one point oh four million overseas to get past. That's 1.8 billion. Uh, so that's 1.04 billion uh, overseas to get the total of 1.8 million billion worldwide. Uh, finally, in fifth place, our new third, our third new opening film from Briarcliff Entertainment. It's a Liam Neeson film, Blacklight, opening to 3.5 million in 2,772 theaters, per theater average of 1,264 dollars. Now that actually beat forecast, which box office pros had it at two million dollars. That said, with a 43 million dollar budget, getting an extra 1.5 million isn't a whole lot to celebrate. While it has a 70 percent from what little audience saw on Rotten Tomatoes, critics skated uh, a scathingly low five percent. Uh, audience was 64%, guys 35% over 45 and 53% white. Um, I would expect Sing 2 to probably get back into the top 5 next week as this one will likely sink like a stone. 
Now, outside the top five, some interesting things, mostly related to Oscar nominations in the past few weeks or so, though not all of them. Uh, not among the Oscar nominations is that last week's film Moonfall dropped a terrible 70% from uh, to number eight uh, for $2.8 million and a running total of $15.2 million domestic. Uh, the Beatles IMAX concert had 181 screens, made 488000 for per theater hours of $2,699. Uh, and then uh, you know, Kingsman uh, lost over half of its theater, um, over 1,000, and then the, the 355 lost uh, over 1,000 theaters as well, down to only 563. Uh, going back to the Oscars front, well, none of the Best Picture nominees made more than a million this weekend. Uh, Licorice Pizza had its widest release to date, with 1,191 theaters opening up. Uh, they got to 1,977 for a 959,000 total this week, up to $14 million to date. Uh, Belfast gained another 538 to get to 928 total. Uh, worst Person in the World from Norway added 45 to the initial four to get up to 49. Uh, Drive My Car added 12 to get to 127. Uh, King Richard added 428 to go back up to 463. Uh, Dune gained another 592 to get back up to 678, hitting 107 million domestic, and more importantly for me, overseas crossing the 400 million worldwide mark finally. Uh, also related to the Oscar films, there should become a lot of these should be coming to digital soon if they aren't already. I forget if I mentioned West Side Story last week, but it is coming to Disney Disney Plus on March 2nd. Uh, today, as I'm writing this uh, script, uh, Warner announced they had acquired the rights to the Japanese film nominated for the four Oscars, Drive My Car for HBO Max, set to get them, uh, you know, which is a huge get to just hopefully overperforms at the Oscar. Um, and then Licorice Pizza is set to come out on physical media March 15th, which means its digital release will also likely be on that March 2nd date as well. Uh, overall, total box office this weekend is slightly down from last week, a 53 million versus 58 million total. Uh, this coming weekend has three wide releases. First up is LD Entertainment's The Cursed. Legit had not heard of this film until now, but apparently it's an American French horror film that premiered at the 2021 Sundance Film Festival. No predictions currently for how it'll do. Um, and then we have the monosyllabic Channing Tatum's Man Best Friend movie Dog from United Artists. Forecast is open between 5 to 15 million over the next weekend. And then the big one to keep an eye on will be Uncharted, starring Tom Holland from Sony Pictures. Uh, box Office Pros has its forecast to open between $25-35 million, uh, which would easily take first place by Country Mile next weekend. Now, speaking of Uncharted, it actually opened early in overseas markets to the tune of $21.5 million, in opening number one in all 15 markets it opened in, including the UK, Russia, and Spain as top markets. Uh, it's currently pacing ahead of Shang-Chi, Black Widow, and The Eternals. Uh, so far, critics seem to be lukewarm at about 52% on Rotten Tomatoes, but I have a feeling the audience response here will be a lot better than expected. Uh, going back to the other Tom Holland film out there for a second, No Way Home has slipped past Avengers Infinity War and The Force Awakens for the highest, uh, for fourth highest, I believe, uh, or, yeah, fourth highest non-China international total. Uh, the other two had 1.011 billion and 1.003 billion respectively without China, which, as we noted before, No Way Home is already at 1.045 billion total. Currently in fourth place on that list, unlikely to get ahead of the next placeholder, uh, third placeholder Titanic, which is currently at one billion, so another 200 million it would need to get to get over there. Um, now, speaking of China, the top five remain the same over there. Battle of Lake Changjin Part 2 made $43 million this past weekend. Cumulative total, $527.4 million. At second place, we have Too Cool to Kill, sitting at $321.2 million to date. This one actually, I think, is opening up here in the States for limited release from WellGo Entertainment this weekend. Uh, third place, Nice View, $161.9 million to date. Uh, fourth place, The Boonie Bear sequel, $127.8 million. And then fifth place goes to Sniper with $69.6 million to date. 
now, you know, looking now, reportedly there's a poster and trailer out there for the upcoming Doctor Strange sequel, Multiverse of Madness, with Chinese language subtitles. Uh, no guarantee if it does get a release date over there, given how China has been with the with Marvel lately. But Marvel doesn't seem to be giving up entirely on the market just yet. And then on the flip side, the Batman from DC is also reportedly set to get a release date uh, and clear the censors. Though that ha- that date has not been set yet, but should be big for the film's total if it does. Uh, speaking of the Batman, pre-sales for the film started last week. Unlike Spider-Man, nothing crazy in terms of you know systems crashing from overuse or whatever. But uh, it's holding uh, holding everything up to that Spider-Man standard is kind of unrealistic. Um, industry sources suggest that in the had the second best pre-sales post-COVID to date. If um, you know if Eternals and Black Widow sold about one hundred fifty thousand in twenty-four hours, sources are saying that the Batman may so be maybe 450 to 500,000 uh, tickets in the U.S. in the first 24 hours. Uh, for comparison, No Way Home sold 3 million total. Uh, early forecasts pegged Batman's opening weekend to be maybe in the 110 to 140 million range, uh, which you know would be higher than anything Warner Brothers has had all of last year, and a higher opening weekend than every DC film, uh, including Wonder, um, you know, uh, going back to Wonder Woman back in 2017, would had 103 million opening. Um, now, now this is inclusive of early screening fan events, and at, which had a thirty dollar per ticket price point. But so far, total pre-sales are about eight million dollars. Now, whether reviews start coming out, um, you know, whenever those come out, if it has really good reviews, which I'm really praying they do, this one's definitely pop off, especially with no major competition for at least a month, um, much like Sanxi did last September. Now, reportedly, you know, DC, now relatedly, DC also released a trailer over the Super Bowl weekend, you know, titled "The World Needs Heroes," confirming the lineup for the year with the Batman, Black Adam, the Flash, and Aquaman too. Um, the last one is the most interesting to me, since you know, um, as it's more or less confirms a December date for Aquaman two, uh, which puts it squarely up against Avatar two in December, which is going to be a huge gamble. Now, aside from that, though, you know, the only real headline as of writing this, you know, I think, you know, I, I had a little bit delayed to recording this, so I think some news has come up. I'm not going to add that to this uh, skit I'll just cover next week. Um, the only real headline related to the po- box office is the return of MoviePass, though in a form very different from 2017, its heyday. Um, that got many people, myself included, interested in watching movies in theaters again. I'm honestly still not sure what their deal is, but in a, it's, in a wannabe Steve Jobs performance, founder Stacey Spikes talked about a technology where in order to earn credits to watch movies, which will cost more based on availability and popularity, users can watch ads to exchange, you know, apparently he's super into like brand placement and whatever, so, and he's that guy or whatever, clearly, um, but users can watch ads to get credits and then they will use your camera's phone to track your eyes to make sure you're actually watching the ad instead of pause, instead of trying to get around it. Um, add in buzzwords like the metaverse and web 3.0 and uh, I think I'm going to be okay with my AMC A-list for now, thanks very much. Um, in any case, that's a wrap for this 100th episode of the podcast. Again, thanks for all your support over the past two years. Here's to many more to come. Uh, you can suit me ideas for what you want me to cover um, uh, via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. You can find our show on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review or at the very least tell a friend any of that helps. If you're feeling extra generous, consider supporting us on Patreon. Let's be make not only this show, but all the other podcasts I work on. Links to all of that will be in our show notes. Numbers used in the show come from dnumbers.com intro outro music from Kevin McLeod and contact.filmmusic.io editing production by Ninja Boy Media until next time this has been the Box Office Watch Podcast and remember our watch goes on <laughs> <laughs>